Buzzer Podcast. All music. Worldwide music started in local music scenes. Underground, independent, unsigned talent. Music you choose to hear, not the music mainstream tells you to hear. Hosted by Shay, the Buzzer Podcast is a Canadian broadcast connected to artists around the globe. Hey y'all, I am Shay. This is the Buzzer Podcast on Air Indie. From my pad to yours over the airways. Today on the show, Daryl Hurst, Director of Market Development Canada for CD Baby. Join our educational chat. We talk about the current online community launch of Indie Week and the general state of the music industry going forward in the post-COVID world we all have to act with. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Hi, Daryl. Thank you for coming on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited for our talk. Uh, yeah, same here. Same here. I'd like to know a lot about what you've done. Uh, you've been around in, in the music business for 25 years, and uh, you are now... Uh, a big part of CD Baby Canada. So we're going to talk about that and also talk about Indie Week. Yeah. Which you were uh, the founder or started? I asked you if you were the founder the other time and yes. you said, no, I started it. So Well, basically, um, yeah. I, I, did, I, I'm, I am Indie Week, started it and created it and all that good stuff. Um, oh, cool. And then, yeah, with cool. CD Baby, I'm the Director of Market Development for Canada. Great. So how did you end up here? Oh. What's your background? Uh, well, it, it's a it's an interesting one in the sense that um, for some reason, and I remember it, it was grade six where I just knew I wanted to do something in music. And uh, wow. originally it was about performance. I wanted to be a guitarist in a rock band, tour the world. And you know how hard and difficult that can be. So uh, I was in bands which led to also kind of, I was the guy who really worried about the business of the band while I was in it. And so I started uh, promoting shows or booking shows, which led to booking yeah. venues, which led to managing bands, which led to also starting Indie Week. Um, and also during that time, I learned uh, desktop publishing. So like doing graphics and websites and yeah. my side hustle was freelancing. So you know, doing websites, oh. graphics, but it led to, uh, I worked for, as a freelancer for about eight or nine years for Live Nation. And I worked on event marketing with them and branding. Like I rebranded the company. Launched. Wow. You were behind Live Nation rebranding? Yeah. Like there was a time where they're very cool. Yeah. There was a time when their logo was a ticket. So during that. Yeah. That, I remember. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and, uh, that was kind of a crazy time. Like I did like VIP passes and uh, campaigns, like the, all the graphics, like front of the line campaign and worked with um, programs for like House of Blues, Visa, Citibank, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, it was it was pretty cool. And then um, Indie Week, we started doing events more internationally. Uh, we did Ireland for six years, then UK. For, I think it was three or four years, and then Brexit, of course. And um, 
that led me to build relationships with CD Baby reps, which led me to know more about CD Baby. They knew more about me. And uh, I was offered a role. And uh, I'm so grateful. It's a great company to work for. And the way they help artists, uh, it just makes the most sense. And uh, I'm very lucky to be where I'm at now. So no complaints. Well, I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can tell you for a fact that everybody I've spoken to from CD Baby or dealt with has been incredibly professional and on top of their game. Yeah. I'm very impressed with the company, including you. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I'm part of the international team, and I have to say that it's a great team to be a part of. Uh, everybody is passionate about music and helping artists. And it's it's just actually, like I say, I'm super lucky to have the role I have, and, and uh, I love the work that we do. That's cool. So you, how did you come up with the idea of Indie Week? Well, it was it was kind of like I was in a band at the time and I was a booker of a venue and I was booking shows around. And I just saw that it just seemed like there were so many bands deserving to be in festivals and conferences that were being overlooked locally. And so originally yeah. the idea was create a festival that focused on really emerging DIY artists that you probably haven't heard of, but it was, it's all about the discovery of artists, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and that the first five years, it was a bit tough because I'd be, be talking to people about it and they're like, so what artists do you have playing? And they wouldn't know them. And I'm like, that's the point. It's to discover them. Like these are artists you need to know about. And, uh, you know, like we, some of the, like we've had walk off the earth and some of the artists that played early days are now industry. You know, uh, one of the heads of Amazon in Seattle played indie, uh, Amazon music. Right. And, yeah. uh, one of the top producers in Nashville is played indie week, uh, songwriters that are in Nashville played indie week. Uh, so it's interesting to have seen how a lot of artists have also developed from, just the artist world to also actually being part of the industry that's a bit more behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, everybody starts somewhere. And, and I think the more opportunities we give for people to start, but also it's almost like an incubator or nurturing process that allows them to grow because, you know, as, as a lot of us know, it's kind of like the majors, you know, they're great at what they do, but, those demo deals or development deals kind of disappeared. And I, I also saw that there was a need for artist development to take place. And, and so, yeah, so that's why we do. I agree. Yeah. That's why we do a lot of the conferencing and the networking. Uh, we focus on collaborations uh, a lot um, because artists need a chance to develop. And, and mm -hmm. I think that that's sort of been lost a little bit over the years. Well, let's touch base a teeny bit on the conferences. You have Screen X Screen. Yeah, Screen by Indie Screen. 101. Indie yeah, 101. Indie 101. Music Pro Summer in Indie Week. Yeah, we're crazy. <laughs> You're happening, that's for sure. So uh, we're talking, uh, we Indie Week is, a, is a basically a conference of the best of the best getting together, like a think tank, right? Networking and show. Yeah, so so Indie Week is kind of like our flagship event, 
And okay. as a result of COVID not being able to run it, how we normally do, we had to go online and we just can't cover all the stuff we normally do because, um, you know, normally we're in a hotel and there's multiple rooms running at the same time and stuff online, you know, you just need to really focus more. So it's kind of like one session happening at a time, maybe two. Yeah, I get that. Is there going to be any virtual conferences, like any virtual performances? Uh, No, no. This is all just conferencing. And so, okay, like we do have uh, some sort of like virtual trade show booths where artists will have some videos. But uh, the, the, the point is that we weren't able to build out our full conference. So we broke it into different conferences. So screen by screen in February okay. is music and tech. So think AI, VR, blockchain, live streaming. And then Indie 101 is education. So think of like new artists and new people to the business learning about the business. Oh, that's cool. And then Music Pro Summit is high-level discussions. Like we had Deezer, we had Spotify, um, you know, Work Hard, Playlist Hard, Twitch for Musicians. So high-level discussions takes place at Music Pro Summit. And then Indie Week is the hub where we try to gather everybody at and also talk more international as well. So it's a, a international focus, but we also talk community, diversity, uh, health and wellness. We also do business development, education. Like I said, it's, it's our hub. Um, and that's a result of COVID. So now we do four online conferences a year and uh, we've seen our community grow and a lot of people keep coming back and, uh, they're collaborating together, they're connecting. And it's, it's been really awesome to see as a result of everything. Well, that's incredible. That's incredible. I, I firmly believe that uh, education is the best way to go. So, uh, even if you're a seasoned professional, like uh, I, I'd recommend this kind of a uh, conferencing and events for somebody that's been in the business two weeks to somebody that's been in the business 20 years because it, the industry's changed quite a lot. Oh yeah. Right? yeah. And, and there's so much new stuff you can learn and, or people that you can meet that could catapult you into something new or like something that you hadn't thought of before. Well, well that's know? exactly what's happening because, because of COVID a lot, there was a lot of barriers to gain access to these people and they're all online. And a lot of them are like, I'd love to tune in. Sure. And example is um, we also do Indie Weekly every Tuesday, uh, 4 p.m. on Toronto time, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we do a talk and like we've been able to talk to people like the manager of Stone Temple Pilots, um, the head of Music mm-hmm. Publishers Canada. Um, so high level people. And the funny part is when you say people tuning in, on our last Indie Weekly session, David Bowie's manager tuned in in the audience. And I was Very like, cool. what? <laughs> like, what's he here for? Like, this is awesome. And, and so, and also uh, Head of Global Affairs Canada tuned in and uh, people from some of the funders of Canada tuned in. Like, it, you just never know. And it's very, the other part is it's very international, the audience. Like, we have people from, Asia, we've had people from Africa, Indonesia, um, India, like all tuning in. 
The last one was Germany, Australia as well, UK, uh, Portugal. So it's pretty cool. You just never know who you're going to meet. That's pretty cool. I, 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 I think it's amazing what you've done and what you're doing for the artists. And I, I've actually been pushing registration for the Indie Week. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I have promotional headline on my website and I've been sharing it on social media. So you had to change the Indie, uh, indie Week conference and other uh, business, I guess, structure because of COVID. How, as a, a person in the thick of the music industry, how do you feel it has changed the music business and what is the general state of the music business now and going forward? Like what, what do you think an artist can expect if they're looking at doing this for a career? I, I think there's a lot of positives to take. And that's been a lot of our focus is what are the positives? Let's look at that. And let's go 100% in that direction. So a couple of things is, of course, live yeah, music yeah. has been devastated. Um, wow. And the focus is on loss of income because of it. And it's not just the artists, it's the crews, the, the staff and all that, which is really difficult. So I want to frame this in that I recognize live music is hit is the worst hit industry in all of this. But the music industry as a whole, I think is actually better for it. And where I say that is more people than ever oh, have been consuming music online, discovering than ever before. More people are open to collaboration and helping each other than ever before. And more talks have happened as a result because if anything the weaknesses were exposed why is this not happening why is this not supported by the government and such so there's there's talks happening with the government and cultural ministers mm -hmm. that didn't happen before and they're starting to understand the music industry a little bit better because i know like anytime i've applied for a certain funding we're always other as of, like our industry is not even listed. Uh, so obviously difficult to get funding sometimes when you're always other. Um, so there's, there's that. And then moving forward, I hope that there's a higher sense of education because the future is digital and we cannot deny it. And I think for a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of the time leading up to this point, people have been resisting digital or denying it. And I look at it as I remember early days of my music career. And if somebody used a drum machine on an album, we were kind of like snubbing it. You know, why can't you play it? Why can't, you know, and it turned into uh, people putting no machines were used in this recording, which then all of a sudden auto-tune came in and it was like, you can't sing it in tune. You have to use auto-tune. And now everything's auto-tuned. Everything uses machines. Everything is copied and pasted and quantized and sound replaced and all that stuff in all recordings. So we have to also think that 
digital is going to change our careers and our industry. And we need to, it's better if we're educated and aware than left behind. And that's part of our mission is to educate artists and people in the business. Okay, awesome. And CD Baby has positioned themselves and their services to independent artists uh, specifically to address that change. Can you talk a bit about that and how it was structured and how you positioned yourself? Like, I remember being a musician and CD Baby came out and I was like, wow, that's cool. Um, and, it, you know, uh, one thing that really sort of resonated with me early days as an artist was uh, when the iTunes store came about, you had to be a major on a major label to get your music on there. And it was CD Baby that was the first one to be able to get independent artists on Apple's iTunes. And yeah, it, yeah I remember. Yeah. That. And so, so one, the relationships are really strong uh, and the history is really strong. And, you know, the, the, the beauty is that, you know, we, we deliver a lot of music out there. So the negotiations uh, with our partners is, you know, we've got a bit of clout. Um, and, and just the fact that we've been doing it for so long, uh, it's, it's kind of like we've got the relationships built. But what really what I have to say is that we've got two tiers and CD Baby Pro, which is basically doing yeah. your uh, publishing administration. When new opportunities appear, like a TikTok, you know, think about talking TikTok five years ago. It would be like, what's that? And that's how fast the industry goes because now that's an opportunity. So we're always looking for the new opportunities to build relationships with so that artists can collect royalties. Um, it's, it's something that is, you know, we're in this digital space and you know what, I can't predict what two years from now is going to present. Just an example in my day as an artist, we would spend up to a hundred dollars an hour in the studio to record which meant thousands of dollars to record. And back then you were doing at least an EP, if not 10 songs. Then you had to spend money to make the actual physical product. And usually you had to get artwork done as well. And yeah. you don't have a distributor. And now you're like, how do I get it in stores? I'm an indie artist. How do I even get it on the radio stations when they don't play indie music? Um, uh, so we were always in the debt, like 25,000 plus just to make an album. And the only way to make money back was to play shows and sell CDs and also try to sell shirts mm -hmm. to pay for CDs. That was it as an indie artist. Now it's wide open for an indie artist to do their business and getting their music out there, but also promoting and building audiences. Uh, there's artists that are recording revenues like publishing wise internationally. And sometimes they don't even know what country they're being played in, but they're still getting paid for it. Yeah, I, I, it makes sense. Like uh, CD Babies, I believe over 150 streaming and download services worldwide. I applaud you because it's great. Because you're right, before you guys stepped in, um, you know, you had to be one of the big players to get on Apple. That was it. And I remember being like, I'm, I'm like, wow, this is like being shut out, you know, not even having an opportunity at all. Like I was an artist during that time. And it's like, 
uh, MySpace was it, you know, and you're trying to promote on MySpace and then that disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's another thing to think about when I, like I do see other services pop up and it's great, but you, you also have to kind of look at the, the strength of the company and the staying power, you know, um, the Spotify, uh, I think it was a year and a half ago, they entered into distribution themselves. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, they pulled out saying, wow, that's a lot of work. We don't want to touch that anymore at all. So they tried it and they stopped it immediately almost uh, because it's not an easy thing. Um, people think it's digital, press a button and it's everywhere. It's it's a lot of negotiations. There's people behind every company. Um, they don't always translate English properly or well. So then sometimes it even takes longer. Um, yeah. It's something to consider. It's like, yes, it's digital, but there's people everywhere around the world behind every service. And that's a lot of work to make sure it's done properly. Yeah, 100%. Uh, one thing you said is that uh, it's digital. Uh, digital is the way to go. It's the future. I agree with you. But in terms of an artist making an income, uh, streaming in comparison to selling a CD in vinyl, just per se, let's make it really simple. Uh, They have to do a significant amount of streams in order to come head to head with what they would make if they were selling. Well, well, the the whole point is the framework of it and... Uh, there's a YouTube video with Will I Am, um, Black Eyed Peas, right? And he framed it very well, where it resonated with me. The truth of it is, don't think of making money from streaming. And I'm not trying to say artists shouldn't get paid, but it's like, yes, the the royalty rates and and return needs to be renegotiated if possible. But that's that's really difficult and and uh it's got to think of it more from a promotional marketing aspect again mm-hmm. in my There's days that side. well it's 100 percent that side in my days who heard my music was the people in the room where we played because if we're not on the radio back then and we can't get in the stores because we're independent the only people that know about it is who were in the room when we played right so the point that you have to look at it as like, this is the best marketing tool and you don't pay for it. You might get an audience in Greece. You might get an audience in Romania. You might get an audience in Asia. Like you don't know, but the fact that they can. So the way to frame it is, how am I going to do advertising and marketing to capitalize on this and build an audience that would buy my stuff? So it's, it's the best marketing tool. Like everybody, why do they want to be on radio? Because maybe millions of people might hear it. Now, are they going to get paid a lot for that? No, but they might sell tickets to things. They might be able to promote things. And so, you know, I said before, it cost us at least 25,000 plus to make a CD. I would say, could you make that type of budget? Even if it's the fraction, like 5,000, and put it towards advertising on Facebook, Instagram, and such, so that you're building an actual audience that will engage. So going back to what Will I am, what he said in this mm-hmm. interview is 
music itself was actually, and I'm quoting him, so so don't shoot the messenger. Uh, <laughs> music itself was never meant to make money, ever. It was about promotion of other things. That's why music publishing is valuable. You know, that's why getting a song in a car ad is valuable. Getting a song into a movie is valuable because it's promoting other things. And so he said this about publishing. What back at the very start, it was actually meant that a song would sell sheet music. And then music would sell the roles for the pianos that played. And if you think of it in the longer terms, what does music really sell? Stereos. Now it sells phones because music's on a phone. It sells headphones. It sells, right? Music is radios in cars and automobiles. And if you think of where artists have been like, wow, they really banked it and rich, like Dr. Dre, it's headphones, beats, right? That's where he made music. And that's where other artists are like fragrant fragrances and clothing lines and so on. So, so endorsement. Well, well, it's not endorsement. It's their company. So the music sells other things. And if you think about it, a lot of people go, well. Actually, Billie Eilish just uh, launched a perfume. Exactly. For a lot of artists in, in the hip hop world, it's almost a template, right? Like they all have to do clothing and fragrances and this and that. Like, look at how many things Snoop Dogg is on, right? Um, so, so like them, it's also TV shows and and such so so music it's like that's the marketing tool to get other stuff and it's very against what you know artists get in for it like the artists are about creation and it's about making something beautiful and i totally get that something meaningful that has a message that resonates but the thing to make money is you gotta sell stuff right that's the reality is if you really want to make money, you got to figure out what, what you're going to sell. And a lot of artists don't like that. So that's why managers exist and record labels and promotion companies and stuff. You know, that's the thing to think about it. And if you think about Michael Jackson, well, he did a deal with Pepsi and got a million dollars for a like 30 second commercial kind of thing. Well, it might've been a longer commercial, but and and if you think in sports, that's where sports has gone. Michael mm-hmm. Jordan made way more money off of selling shoes than playing okay, basketball. Okay, fair, fair <laughs> enough. I, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. But we're talking the less than 1%. Like, how, <clears throat> how does somebody that's wanting a career in business or working in business right now look to make money to make itself... Sure. And I'm actually working on a mentorship that I'm going to hopefully get out in February, March next year. But I did one in December and it's called Future Proof Your Career. And okay. the point is focus on people and audience first. So it's an interesting thing. Like I remember booking venues and I would ask an indie band, can you play this day, this time? no one really knows you. This is you coming into our venue as a stage and such. And they're like, we need to get paid this much. And I'm like, cool. Are you going to sell this many tickets? Oh no, that's not our job. 
And we're like, well, yeah, it is. And so the value of an artist to a promoter or booker is how many tickets can you sell? Right. And if yeah, you flipped well, it, that does make sense. Right. And if you flipped it, if Bon Jovi said, do you want to open to us for us? I bet that same artist would go, yeah, hell yeah. I'd do it for free. And why? Because they're playing in front of so many people. Which so, is essentially physical streaming. Exactly. But those are people that have money in their pockets. So the point is, if you can build an audience and you can start with small people. I've, I've worked with artists where we started with 20, 35 people and built it up. But the every person, and this is the beauty of the digital age, is you can connect with people around the world that might be super fans of yours in the future right so that's the key how do you get it so that a people are hearing it but then how do you can how can you engage with them build a relationship and then they're able to be like yeah i'll buy a ticket to your show i'll buy the cd i'll buy the shirt and essentially that's what a lot of those big hip-hop artists do you know and other artists it's it's if they go if i said you know, Dave Grohl at the Horseshoe, private, private or special acoustic performance. Tickets are on sale in one hour. He's playing at four o'clock. I bet it would be sold out. So the goal of the artist is to be able to build them up so that that name and their brand has that value. And you start small. And I treat, like when I worked with artists, we treated their, our audiences like gold because they're our fans so it's not just posting an event it's talking to the people and I, so many times i tell artists like how do i get people talk to them hi i see you liked our event uh hope you can make it start a conversation hey i saw that you liked our page what other type of music are you into and the point is get to know them so interact and engage. Engage, that's it. And, you know, with us doing our online conferencing, that's what we're doing. Like, I'll, okay. I'll, I send yeah. voice message. I, I think we talked the other day. I send a voice message, maybe. Uh, you know, like, I talk to people, with people, you know? And, and I think it's the mindset. And I was guilty of this as an artist, and so many artists are guilty towards me, is like, Hi, I'm an artist. Here's my video. Here's another video in case you didn't see that one. Here's my bio. And this is the latest, latest release, by the way. I have another. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, didn't, I don't know you. And I didn't ask for this. Delete. Mm-hmm. I don't even yeah. read who their name is. It's, Fair enough. It's done. Fair enough. Done. I'm like, you're pushing stuff I didn't ask. I'm not your friend. I don't know who you are. Sorry. So, and, and, you know, in our conferences and talking to industry, all the industry is saying that, yeah, people are sending me stuff all the time and it's getting in front of the emails of my business. So therefore I just hit delete. So that's the wrong way to do it. And you got to build relationships and it's the kind of thing. Imagine if, and I'm going to put this out there. Imagine if you talk to one fan And in that one year, that fan buys a CD, a shirt, and a ticket. That might be worth like 50 bucks. So then you go, I'd like to have a thousand of those people. That's 50,000 bucks. 
So sometimes mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. focus on the product more than the people and they keep making things, but it's the same 20 people. So, so are, are you a fan of uh, putting, releasing a lot of music, like several singles or several albums a year or putting out quality and engaging in fans? Quality and engaging in fans, but finding a way. And, and a lot of times when I do the education talks on planning and release, mm-hmm. I talk about take that one song and do an instrumental, do a mix that's going to hit the Spotify audience, meaning hook really early and, and keep them engaged for 30 seconds. It's 30, when it gets to 31 seconds, that's when you get paid. Not like, hey, I listened to it for five seconds and won't get paid. So 30 seconds is the, 31 seconds is really the magic number. So a lot of artists are writing to get that person to 31 seconds. Um, so, so you release an instrumental, you release the Spotify remix, which I called like the radio remix of my early days. A radio edit. Yep. And then a long form and then do a collaboration with somebody else. So then you might get some of their audience and allow for a remix, you know, and you might even have an alternate, a demo or something. So if you think of it, one song, you could potentially have six plus releases. Yeah. And if you spread that o- over 18 months, and then somewhere along the way, like three months in, you start another timeline with another single. So it's really two songs and variations going on. So you still are kind of pushing it out there, but it's not necessarily more work of making more songs, like right, like brand new ones. And then you can focus the work on the marketing and building audience and engaging and talking with the audience. And that's how, that's really what I see. Like, you know, you don't need a huge amount of people. It's what is the value of that person? So remember I said that one person, a CD, a a t-shirt and a ticket. Yeah. What if the next year they bought double because they really got into the band. But when they bought double, you increase the prices by 25%. So what's that value of that one person? And and it's the retaining of it. Because I see so many shows where I'll talk to the band. I'm like, cool. Did you talk to the fans after? No. Oh, well, who are they? Well, I don't know. Are you going to message them? Are you going to talk to them somehow? How are you going to get them back to the second show? Yeah, but don't most, I, I, just my experience, the most uh, bands do a meet and greet after the show. No, most don't. They'll, they'll hang out in the bar, talk to people that come talk to them, but that's only if they come talk to them, right? And often it's their friends and family that they're talking to. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it straight, like you got to be engaging for them. Like you got to really go, like, fans is where it's at and well well if you think of it this way so many bands what are their question marks how do i get more streams have more people how do i make more money sell more tickets to your shows how do you well it's people that buy those sell more t-shirts and product at your shows well that also is people and if you so many times they're like well how do i get a booking agent Well, if you sell enough tickets, 
that a booking agent goes, I can make some money off of it because it's a percentage business. Yeah, I'll attract a good booking agent. Then you'll get a good booking agent. How do I get a good manager? Well, if a manager is making a percentage, they want to know that they're going to make a good percentage off of an artist, right? So if we're in the percentage business, and so often the people look the end result and want to get that. I need a manager now. I'm like, well, 20% of nothing is nothing. And I want a good booking agent. Well, you don't have an audience. They're not going to sell tickets. And that's where you hear about the bad deals taking place. They don't have negotiation power and they just want to get on this roster. And I've seen so many artists get on a booking agent's roster. And it's like that booking agent has 60 bands and you're at the bottom. Like you don't get the attention that you need. Right. And that's the adverse effect of the career. So whenever I've worked on bands, we've never gone looking after industry. We built audience. And then most times people came to us and that's what I call momentum. Right. And when they come to us, now I can negotiate. And, you know, that's how we got sponsorships. That's where we got booking agents. Um, and got better shows, you know, like I was able to call a, a venue and say, I think we need to be the opening band on this. And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know. We've sold out your bar three times. You've made sold out bar sales three times. And I can take that to your competition down the street real easy and never play your bar again. So we got the, the opening slot. So, you know, there's, that's the thing. It, power is in the people. And yeah, yeah, but you also played that role in the band, right? And the manager and the organizer. Yeah, but that was when I was managing bands and it was not in a band, you know, like. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, but it, but it was always people. It, it's always people. I cannot stress enough. You know what sucks is trying to sell T-shirts to a bar that holds 200 people and only 20 people are there. So if you have 200 people, 20 people there, it looks real empty. If you have a bar, 200 people there in a 200 capacity room, it's full. It's a party. Everybody's excited. They want to talk to the band after you sell merch, you know? So I've always just concentrated on people. And, and as we're doing our events online, then that has been the secret is we focus on people. We talk to people. We follow up with people if we can. Um, and on all platforms as much as possible. Like I'll send voice messages on Instagram. I respond on Twitter at times, uh, Facebook and such. So, um, so much time should be focused on people. Yeah. I, it's my preach. It's, it's lately, this is my preach because people are like, how do I make money? Sell to more people. You know, uh, if you're like, wow, it's really hard to make a CD, make one and sell it to more people. You know, uh, and it's the it's the world that we have now with digital. And man, it is exciting. It is to me. I wish I was an artist right now. Right now, uh, it would be a great time to be an artist. Um, and I did say um, focus on marketing. So I you have to do ads. You have to do advertising, but you have to. Yeah, you have to be smart about it where you have to set up your tracking pixel so that your audience builds and is tracked so that your next ad goes to the audience that's already engaged. And 
as you do that, the engagement is higher with the right people. And those are the people that are most likely to invest in your career. Yeah, that there's a, there's a quote that I absolutely love right now. I always get my favorite quotes by Paul Cantor. Music isn't about records anymore. Music is about getting attention. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And and a quote that I, love I it. yeah, and a quote that's really stuck with me. I think since about two thousand and five, uh, it was by Tim O'Reilly of O'Reilly Press. And uh, they, at that time, were asking him, what's the future of the web? And he said, the future is in the community being able to contribute to the database. And it's through that where it's going to grow. And he just sort of kind of left at that. He goes, but people add value. So that's where I've actually got that phrase from. And if you think of it, yeah, and if you think of it, uh, if nobody signed up for an account on Facebook, it would be a blue bar and a logo. <laughs> yeah. Right. What the world and, without Facebook. I don't know. It sounds right. like a great world. <laughs> no, but no, but that you got to go, yeah. how much money are they making? And do, mm -hmm. do anybody pay for for the accounts? No. Yeah. And why do they make money is because they have so many people. And mm -hmm. then if you think, well, that's the same as Twitter linkedin ebay the start of amazon uh, i'm missing instagram uh pinterest uh youtube all of them if nobody contributed content would be blank all of them and they don't put barriers up to people they want people to come join and then they go cool i'll sell advertising and i can charge it for it because there's so many people on our platform. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's uh, kind of back from my digital days, uh, uh, you know, when I was doing the graphic stuff and website stuff, it's, it's translated very well from that. And it's, it's been what's working for us and to kind of frame it. If you can build that reputation, like, man, we're the artists that always plays sold out shows, for instance, then you can ask for guarantees. Then you can start asking for sponsorships. Like you've got proof. A lot of times people try to get sponsors, but they don't have people first. So it's, you got to build the people, but then you can monetize it. And it doesn't have to even be selling. It's like, hey, we have this event. We know we're going to get this many people. Would you like to sponsor it? And that's where you can start monetizing. And I, I know through... My experience is it's much easier to get that one ten thousand five thousand dollar deal than trying to sell two hundred ten dollar tickets. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, so that's that's kind of like how I looked at it too. Is like then when you get people, you work on sponsorships. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts. Uh, incredibly interesting. I want to end the show with you um, to call out. Uh, Indie Week starts November the 9th. Yep, 9th through 13th online. Okay. And are some of these topics that we touched base on today, are they going to be addressed in the conference? A, a little bit, yeah. We we Our streams are like we talk about mental health and wellness in the mornings. Uh, we, then we've got some business development talks, which will be rights royalties, um, collection 
uh, CMRA is putting on a presentation uh, with that. And then as well, we've got international connections. We really, again, focusing on people, we are trying to put, like give access to meeting people. And, and that's huge. Uh, that's where collaborations, new songs are created or new management agreements or new uh, shows like future shows coming up in different markets. So we really focus on the connection side. Uh, we, yeah, it's huge. And then we've got mentorships, breakout rooms. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And we've got a, on the international side, we're working on a meet the festivals breakout session. So you can literally meet international festivals and talk to them, learn what they look for in an artist, what are possibilities for an artist and, and such. So uh, we're trying to open the doors and break down barriers between artists and industry as much as possible. I commend you for everything you do for the industry, Daryl. It's oh, thank amazing. You. And, and if yeah. I can say one thing, I have mm-hmm. to say, I've got a great team. Uh, none of this could be done without the, the people working behind the scenes. Uh, I'm the guy that talks, uh, but, you know, there's so many people that are, are working on this to make it happen, and, and they do such a great job. Yeah, I can test that everybody I dealt with that work with you are absolutely incredible. So anybody that uh, I would uh, recommend going to the conference and meeting up with these people and uh, learning a bit more about the music business. Awesome. I, I totally agree. And, and and remember, every Tuesday, if you're like, I can't make it, every Tuesday at 4 o'clock, we've got a free session called Indie Weekly. That's awesome. And it's open to any artist? It's literally open to anybody uh, around the world. Anybody can join. Um, That's incredible. It, That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just uh, everybody, IndieWeek.com, I-N-D-I-E-W-E-E-K.com. Uh, all the info's there. And then as well, uh, CDBaby.com for uh, any kind of information about distribution. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much and have a great evening. Thank you so much. This is awesome. I really appreciate it. Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into the Buzzer Network, sponsored by... Buzzroll Media. Thank you to the artists who share their music. Our shows wouldn't happen without their music. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter for showtimes and updates. Subscribe at thebuzzerpod.com. Fans and artists can submit their requests to Shay at thebuzzroll.com. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.